I believe in the good things coming, 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 coming. I believe in the good things coming, 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 coming. Out of darkness, light are pumping, 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 pumping. Into white light, all things running, 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 running. And welcome to Waking with Aurea. I'm Aurea, and you are joining us on a journey of remembering, a journey of cultivating reverence for ourselves and life, which is one and the same. And yet we go on on this search and search and search and search, looking for a purpose, looking for a destiny. And we are here with the attempt and the goal and the vision and the intention to solve that paradox, to give you some solace, some refuge, some knowing that we are all looking for what is our purpose, you know, what is my purpose here? And we are bringing it back to perhaps the ultimate truth that our purpose is to be here. Instead of looking for what our purpose here is, so turn it around and look inside and realize that being here is our purpose. I have the honor and the privilege and the joy, much more than the previous two, of having Peter O'Connor here. This is the fourth part of a four-part series Hmm. of the Welcome Home, Welcome to Being Here. And you are listening to a live recording, a live taping of the fourth part of the series because I am going to Israel for the next three weeks, which I'm very, 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 very excited to see my mom and to see my family and my grandma and everybody that in some ways I left behind 20 years ago. 20 years ago, my mother put me on an airplane and she knew I would figure it out. And I'm very, very excited to come back 20 years later to my family, with my family, to my home, with my home. And there's an excitement about it because I know that I'm also going to be able to come back home to my family. So lots of family, lots of home. Hmm. And that is ultimately a quest a journey to get to, to find home, to find our own community within ourselves, to find a sense of belonging just because we are here. So while I'm gone, last week, actually this past Saturday, Peter and I taped what you're going to be listening to for the next three weeks. And this is the fourth installment in reverse just like we like it. We like to do it backwards. <laughs> Intention first. Purpose, vision first. Grounding ourselves and being here. And then allowing everything to unfold from that. Because when we know that our purpose is being here, when we live it, when we experience it, and it takes practice and it takes some time to get used to the idea to the fact that our purpose is joy, 
the joy of being. Our purpose is experiencing what this life has to offer us. All of our evolution over all of our advancements and the fact that we ate the apple at Eden now, the fact that we ate the apple that gave us knowledge isn't a flaw, it isn't a defect, quite the opposite. It's part of our evolution. We ate the apple to gain the knowledge that we are, have, and always will be separate and connected. We are our own individuals and we are part of a collective. And perhaps it took us thousands and thousands of years to kind of get over the fact that knowledge, while it is the greatest gift of a human being to be able to separate and analyze and create structure, it is merely a function of life. It is a much, much bigger function of a much bigger, bigger purpose. So knowledge is merely a tool. It's a mechanism for advancement. It's a mechanism for creation. And yet, it's something to be used by life. So in this fourth installment, I just want to bring in Peter. Say hi. And say, what is it? What are we going to talk about today? It is, a, is it a mechanism for understanding? It can be, right? It is. Knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it can be a mechanism for confusion. <laughs> yeah. Right? Not to say too much knowledge. If the knowledge is pure, then great. But we confuse ourselves don't we, with um, <clears throat> the abundance of information, quote-unquote knowledge that we take in and what our mind does with it. I'll give you an example, which I can probably now use in the context that the world will understand. What are the two primary phone operating systems out there? What are the two kinds of phones, smartphones mm-hmm. right now out there? What are they? The two popular ones? Yeah. The iPhone. Right. The iPhone and probably um, the one you used to have. Right. So the Android. Android. So those are yeah. two different operating systems. System. Okay. Operating system literally means the system of operating. It's how the phone functions. Everything Different lives. set of languages. Like two different languages. Two Correct. different sets of mechanisms. Two different rules. Correct. Two different knowledge platforms in a way. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yes. So imagine an Android phone and an iPhone arguing for years. (laughs) (laughs) This is not going to work. Arguing for years about, is there a programmer? And what does this programmer look like? But I feel this way, but I feel that way. I like this. Imagine phones arguing, is there a programmer? Mm -hmm. And if I don't understand the programmer, I don't have a purpose for life. That's exactly what we are doing as human beings. One is, is one, uh, does the Android have a cross and the iPhone has right. a, a mezuzah on the door? And right. they're arguing over, what does this programmer look like? Right. And what or, does he sound like? Or even worse <laughs> about the fact <laughs> that she is there a programmer? Is there? Let's start there. Right. Before we have a need for a mezuzah. Before we have a door. Right. Is there a programmer? And well, we're in the cave now. We are. We have, we, we've heard of apples in a foreign land. Right. And most... We're eating dirt. And most humans, because, or at least... And the cycle, because they don't, like an Apple or an Android, 
can never truly ever comprehend a programmer. Can an Apple and an Android ever comprehend a programmer? On, only if the programmer made it something which it is not, so no. O- only if the program <laughs> itself has some kind of a self-awareness mechanism mm-hmm. that feels like space, that feels like emptiness, which input can come in through. Right. right? There's some magic there. Where the code can continue to come in. There is an interface. Right. So that interface is the same way that we have when it comes to prayer and intention and imagination. Imagination is our interface. And yet our search, our search for is there a programmer or their neediness to understand the programmer is futile. It's, it's not real. It's, it's ridiculous. We are a product of a much <laughs> bigger, grander, intelligent design. And it doesn't mean we have to be scared of it. It doesn't mean that we have to pray to it or bow down to it. It doesn't mean that we have to figure it out. Name it. Right. Or, e- or even understand it. Box it. Sell it. Right. It's ridiculous, people. Come on. No, it really, 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 really is. That may of course sound. it is. <laughs> I mean, it's great. You're putting it in a very kind of succinct way. And you're, you're talking about limiting something that is beyond the limitless. And, right. And... You know. Would, and there, it terrifies the mind, mm. the one that lives, you know, feeling like the knowledge is the existence. It's food, it's power, it's breath, it's everything. It terrifies the mind mm. to not know where it comes from when it feels like it doesn't have any purpose if it doesn't understand it. It mm. terrifies the mind. And this terror that we have or that we have had from this need to understand is much like an Apple phone or an Android phone using their resources, the central processing unit and the memory on endless, an endless loop, a search for the programmer instead of actually doing its job and seeing what, what we can do with it, what the people who are playing with the phones can even do with it. What can we do with our senses and our bodies and our experience? What, can we, ex- what we, we can go for in this life has so much more meaning and so much more purpose than figuring out, or the neediness, rather, to figure out who is the programmer. And is he wearing white? Is he wearing black? And that search, me personally, it's been... It's been very clear to me when I, when my mother put me on an airplane when I was four, 13 and a half, 14, I don't even know, I think 14 and a half, when my mother put me on an airplane. Didn't speak English. Didn't speak English, didn't know anything really. Well. Well, I did know, <laughs> I did have an experience that interface with the, with the interface to life with that magic spaciousness where... You did? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was kind of bred into me in the schools that I went to. There was always a reverence for the greater design, for the greater intelligence. In a, in a, in a expansive, mysterious, kind of a warm way, outside of a... Aside, outside of a strict dogma, this means this outside of a religious 
strictness, there was this reverence for the mystery of it. I'm yes. so I'm pleased to hear that. There, I wouldn't have assumed that. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. There was a real sense of everything is okay. Wow. A real, real feeling in wow. the body, in the mind. We, we knew it. We knew it that, at least I did as a child, and I, we moved around to different camps, different courtyards of different rabbis, so to speak. And Meaning to, to learn from and hang with or to live? Yeah, both. both. We, we moved okay. around. I moved around a lot as a child. And there was different philosophies and different dogmas, and some were a lot more strict than others, okay. and we can go into that just as an example to life. But there was this knowing. There was this real sense of knowing that, of course, and more than knowing, a reverence. I talk about reverence. That comes from my childhood. A reverence, a real experience of I am a product of life. We used to look up in the sky when in prayer, and perhaps it was because it was a patriarch kind of system. Mm-hmm. We, say, we would talk about our father, right? And Christians, Christianity have the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's the father. Like, the life is our greater father. And now we can say that life in combination with earth and the opposite and complementary of life and death and nourishment and depletion there is, there's definitely, it's a mother and father fig, figure that is nourishing us, that is creating us. There is the opposites and complementary. But we would look up and say, thank you. We would look up and say, I know. I know that there is a programmer out there. You would watch the elders, if I can use that word. You would observe them as a real small child with this kind of practice. It sounds a little almost informal. You would observe this, and you were taught this by example early, not pointed to and said, "This is this way." You would watch their experience, experiencing it, and right. you understood it in your body as a result. Said, oh, "Okay, this is how it is." And when we get back, I'll share what that experience felt like in my body. In the moon of the budding trees. I was gifted new eyes to see All of the shift and shape and ways you can be Wake the dreams into realities Wake the dreams into realities Sunset diamonds trickle down our cheeks The language of no words is how we speak Part your mama spinning fire here we are, I'm picturing a particular courtyard, actually, and the sky. It's um, a clear sky, it's dusk, or maybe you've, I can picture you, I'm picturing you as a little boy and your mom, maybe one of your younger brothers, and this kind of Jewish elder, I don't, I don't know, he doesn't look like a rabbi, but a smart one, and a, like a, a gentle kind of deep dude, and looking up at the sky and having a few words informally, and you just like soaking it in. I look at. I have an image of it. There's kind of a, some stone benches and maybe some like little roxy sand. And oh, someone's bringing out some some pita now. We're gonna eat olives. <laughs> yeah, there's many great rituals in the Jewish tradition. Uh, one of them was called third meal, which was 
when we'd literally just sit around and, well, the first and the second meal of the Sabbath were all about the meal itself. It's about the meal and the nourishment and the joy of eating and being together. Third meal, which was the third meal in that 24-hour period, mm. which was, was just a little bit of food, just to, just, just to kind of, you know, make so we don't, so we don't go too hungry. But it wasn't about the food. It was about the singing. It was about the sitting around and really feeling the gratitude, feeling the gratitude for being alive, feeling the gratitude and the joy for being taken care of because we are taken care of. Every morning that we wake up, we are taken care of. Every illness or disease that may come upon us, there's a built-in magic and mechanism that heals us and that is a much, much greater truth than any of the search for God or for the purpose or for destiny. And not that we don't have one. We each come with our own lineage, with our own story, with our own journey of expression, whatever it may be. And yet, it is much easier to find it or to have it find you when the real practice, when the real, if you want to get religious about anything, it would be about being here, about practicing what being here feels like. And I'll give you a hint. It's joy. It's real joy. It's that, it's that joy that bubbles up within you. I remember being a kid and having summers off from school. I remember how much joy I would have in the beginning of the summer and how much the anxiety would start creeping in at the last few weeks <laughs> of yeah. the summer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that Sunday night feeling. <laughs> right. For the whole darn summer. Right. Oh, it was brutal. Right. So there is this place where we just felt like anything is possible and there was no real to-do list that you experience joy, joy of curiosity. Joy of being, joy, space, man, just being alive. Space. School is far away in your past, and it's way ahead. You're not thinking about it. Doesn't touch you. You're in the in between, and you've nothing but time and space. And that is the joy that I felt in my body as a child, being a part of the religious and somewhat militant (laughs) traditions that I was a part of. And it's easy to get lost in the rules and the dogma. And I've also found that as the years would go by, I would find that the focus, the focus really became about fearing whether we're doing something wrong or not fearing whether I'm following all the rules properly or not, as opposed to having the focus on the reason why religion even exists in the first place, why law or code of contact even exists in the first place. They're merely reminders and containers to allow us to have a closer relationship with our own divinity. They're supposed to help us become kinder, become more loving towards human beings. Everything else is merely tools and resources. And it's quite interesting for me 
because when I left, when my mother put me on an airplane at 14 or whatnot to come here, that's when a lot of, you know, I, I didn't experience much of the joy and much of the belonging at that point. I was more disappointed and more hurt because everything around me became so grim and so the, the possibilities weren't there in that system. And yet I find myself 20 years later in America living and being and teaching from so much of the same wellspring that I grew up with, seeing the dance between the mind and the heart and seeing the, the battle almost that we have as humans to figure things out, to become more spiritual, to become more mystical. And yet it becomes about the search. It becomes about figuring things out. It, sometimes we get lost in the routines and in the classrooms and in the teachings as opposed to why we're being taught in the first place. Why are you going to yoga in the first place? Why are you going to synagogue, to church, to the mosque in the first place? And habits that are supposed to instill loving kindness within us sometimes turn it into an exclusivity club, to a club where others don't belong and we look down upon other people. And truth be told, I remember I spent the first seven years of my life in one particular Jewish sect, which was more joyous. There was more joy. There was a lot more openness to other human beings. It was about giving. It was about sharing. Celebrating. And celebrating. Enjoying. Yeah. Appreciating. Reverence. And then 7 to 14, when we moved to Jerusalem and a few that, other places. That second cycle, baby. It was <laughs> a lot more rigid. It was a totally different camp. Mm. Was a Did you have enough... Seven, seven is young. Seven is an older version of a baby in mm. many ways. And this might be hard to answer. Did you have... Was the space and all those positive uh, words you just used to describe this that sect in the first seven years? Did enough of that infuse itself into you, uh, where you had a sense of it when this new, heavier, stricter story and, and dogma was going to be placed upon you in that sec in the second seven years? Do you remember that? How did you experience that difference? I, I remember that my in my home life, my my stepfather who was my father to me in my life, I called him Abba, really kept certain rituals alive in the house that will maintain the positivity mm. and the joy that is and always will be the point of any structured religion or structured knowledge, just so we have more, uh, we're more prepared and we're more readily accessible to joy and sharing and availability, which in older days and in older times, because there was a lot more things to be afraid of, we probably needed some of those more rigid structures just so we can let go. Some of those rules and laws of conduct just so we can actually follow something because life was a lot tougher. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more things to worry about. Basically, to stay organized and right. know where everybody's up to because Correct. we have their threats. Correct. So, yeah. Correct. 
So when I left is because I couldn't find any more the joy of just doing things just to do things wasn't enough. And my mother, God bless her, had the guts and the courage to put me on an airplane and send me here to America where I literally spent the last 20 years coming to this point, coming to a place where I could see where the search is the same. Because while I thought I left religion behind, and what was religion? And I mean the negative aspects of the religion, which I didn't like, was basically alienating other people, taking certain set of belief systems and, and believing that we are superior and other people are inferior, trying to belong to a certain group or a certain club just to be successful. I thought I left that behind. You were aware of that by 14? Yes, You had absolutely. that sense? Yeah. Well, we were, we were trained to not like other groups. That was part of the characteristic of this sect. Correct. Mm. We were trained to really to feel appalled, repulsed, and disgusted. Literally, I wow. felt that in my body. Wow. Just when people from other courtyards would come around. Right. Were, they didn't allow other Jewish religious kids in my school because of the color of their skin or their rabbi. And I found, and guess what? 20 years later, I'm in America, and I find that it's the same problem everywhere. It's also the same problem we're having in the West. We judge people by their classes and where they come from. We tell people that they do not belong until they do something in particular, that they're not doing a good enough job until they take certain actions. And that's my plea on this podcast. That's what I'm here to remind, that the laws of conduct and the rule and the religious groups and the group habits and the journeys and the ceremonies and the classes and the rituals and all of that, and mysticism itself and knowing the truth, it's really nothing. It's pointless if we don't live it, if we don't live what it's supposed to help us be and do, which is cherishing the moment, enjoying and having respect and reverence for our actual life. Without that, without that, then we're just a bunch of computers arguing about a programmer. And we know that there is a programmer, otherwise we wouldn't be here. And we don't need to figure it out if it's a he or a she, or if it's a they, or if it's a whatever it may be. It exists. We're here. Can we please get over ourselves and start to find the real joy of being here? purpose of being is to enjoy being you came here 
and you saw the same patterns being played out as you were talking about these and it becomes like is it a babushka the russian dolls that are the same thing repeated uh-huh. right it gets into tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter smaller groups as you were talking about it i was picturing i didn't experience this as much but the generation behind me uh close to here in jersey catholics italian catholics irish catholics every everything in common and yet not that long ago in these types of households you, you can't marry an irish girl you can't marry an Italian guy. Everything in common and these reasons to divide. <clears throat> these patterns that have played themselves out over long periods of time in very, very similar ways, they start to live in us as individuals. And if we talk about creating a practice to cultivate the joy of simply being, is it important to look at the ways in which we do these things things to ourselves we exclude ourselves from a certain experience or a certain appreciation of self because of our skin color because we haven't done said action because we don't have this graduate degree because we haven't been in a intimate relationship in seven years or just because we have a little secret that we really don't like ourselves that much and if so for the for those of us who are out there and saying, "Boy, I, I'm doing my best to 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 be," and yet there isn't that much joy there. It's, it's a lot easier to ignore it. What can we do? Hmm. What do we do? Because it, it's the words are lovely, and I can, I know it's, at, at times in my life, and and you know, you hear someone say it like enjoy being man it can bring up fire and so it can bring up fangs in someone you can you can have an angry response to that what is that you know i don't have that it sounds so easy to say how do we where do we find it how do we create it so here's here's the the truth the truth is when we ask these questions it's usually because we know it to be true mm-hmm. but we're just afraid to sink into it because it it really kind of overrides our apple-eating mind. It overrides our logic. When somebody, you know, when, when I, when we, t- lately I've been using the word God more, just because it, it's something so common to the, this notion and idea that there is a greater intelligence, a greater force. You didn't it, for a long time. And I was at, I never asked you about it. I just, like a lot of things, I ask you about a lot of things right. you do, and a lot of things I purposely don't ask. I just like to observe and see if I can figure it out or not figure it out, and that's one of them. You, I would very be very consciously aware over the years of you talking about life, life right. playing with us, us right. playing with life. And um, I remember your son going on the street side of a of like a bus where you wait for the bus which is kind of a plastic enclosure and he was not easy to get to he was in that box and he could from my scared perspective he could easily have jumped into traffic and you were so mellow you kind of were just watching my instinct was to like run over there and i said oh my gosh you really trust him he said i trust life you know and i have noticed in the last Recently, since the weather started to turn, you've started to use the G word a little more, uh, a lot more. And, the, and I'm honestly using it 
because it brings up the images and the feelings in people that I'd like them to explore. When I say God... It's loaded for people. That's I why say, I thought you weren't yeah. doing it for to create a space of... We all have this... We all, a lot of us have baggage about what that word what that word means, and we have different ideas. I know. So let's start with a, a fresher concept. And now you're saying now you're going to go into it. Let's work on some of the stuff. Right. I I, I will play let's and I will it. change. Yeah. You know, day by day. But when I say God and it pisses off someone, it's usually because deep inside they actually want to believe in something greater than ourselves, and the notion of God gets you upset because you've been disappointed with the garbage you've been fed. Mm. So when I say God, I say, I want you to reconsider your relationship to the unknown because for me, God is just this unknown. God is this unknown place, this unknown spaciousness that is behind or in within the space of the Big Bang, or the space of the cells that the creative force, of some yes, sort. the creative force of some sort, and that or all sorts of sorts, or all sorts, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that that and that's why I want to go. I want to start going back into that. I want to start telling people, awakening this either place of anger and hurt from the word God, mm. or the place of curiosity, because. As I'll keep using God, I'll also continue to say that for me, the truth is that life is God. When I say thank you, God, I also say thank you, life. I say thank you, life. And I'm here to influence, I'm here to inspire, I'm here to really remind you and everyone that it's okay to let go you are more likely to enjoy life when you let go for not understanding what God or what that bigger, higher, softer, harder intelligence can be in your life. But it does exist. We are here. We wake up every day. So to your question, I want to say the same thing. When you really do want to experience more joy in your being, but you can't find it, or it, you know, it, it sounds difficult. Here's what I'm saying. By the time you're already in this conversation, by the time you're already listening to this, then that place of search, that place of knowing that there is more, knowing that the joy is possible, but you keep looking for it, that is the reminder. That is the place where I want you to admit. I want you to take a step back and realize that all of your suffering, all of our chase and our hurt and our disappointment mm. comes mainly, if not inc- exclusively, by this search alone. The idea that we are supposed to search for something and go for something And the idea that we have had an original sin, that we ate from the tree, that we fucked up, excuse my French or English, Uh, the idea that we are defective and our purpose here is to correct our defectiveness, that we lost our connection with God, that we lost our inherent uh, channel with the divine, that is so 
that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation that is, I just want to bring awareness to that. And I want to say, hey, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back and realize that a good father, a really good father, would never tell his son or his daughter that there's something wrong with you. Right. Even if there is. Of course. Because there isn't anything wrong with you if you can't do anything about it. Right. And there is nothing we could do. We were born here. There is an intention behind life itself of bringing us here. So respecting and honoring life's intention and saying, you know what? I am going to honor my search, my quest, my yearning, my longing as, as a, a viewfinder, a pathfinder, a portal into a spaciousness that exists within me that I know joy is possible. I know joy for no reason is not just possible, but it's our purpose. It's our inherent right. It's our evolution. We learned. We have evolved so much for so long. Just what's our greatest evolution these days? Is talking, speaking, communicating, sharing, expressing. That, that is the major difference between us and everything around us. We are expressing. We're here to communicate. We're here to tell. We're here to share what? To share how common the sacred experience of being alive, how simple and celebratory the feeling of waking up and being exposed to an infinite amount of possibilities. And when it comes to practical, you know, you want to get practical. I haven't seen anyone get to a level of joy that is sustaining without taking consistent breaks, without taking consistent time and space for themselves. And you can feed yourself with all of the knowledge and all of the support systems and all of the religions and spiritual and esoteric and whatever you want. But real joy comes with the ability to step back. Real joy comes from listening. Hmm. Listening and having the courage to sit with what isn't joy and wait and be comfortable with that and know that there's light beyond it, right? Yeah. You, you know, it, it strikes me for, the, for the, the rebel who needs a little inspiration at the risk of being cynical, these, these longstanding organizations, it's in their best interest to tell us that something's wrong with us and we need them, that organization, to get to the divine. There's a, there's a construct there. It's, it's good marketing. Right. And for those who need a little help shirking off the, the, that the, those organizations they've been brought up into it's a nice thing to remember you know they're their business like everything else right and it's in their best interest to tell you you're wrong you're missing something you need us to get there not necessarily true there are there are better ways to create value there are better ways to build community they they may take a little more time because Right now, it's much easier to scare somebody right. because there are fears everywhere. 
And it's almost easier, unfortunately, to believe that there's something wrong with us. Because when I tell people, I mean, I don't, but if when somebody hears, yes, we lost our connection to the divine, it rings true. It does, actually. Because it, we just, there's a part of us that knows that we are very magical, and yet we don't understand how come we're not doing anything about it. Mm. And people prey on that. People prey on that sense of disconnection. But what I'm recognizing, what I'm becoming aware of, is that sense of disconnection, that place where we feel like we may have lost our connection to the divine, is nothing more than our own, than God's, than life's own play with ourselves for evolution, for expansion. It's like, here, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to show you how to divide just so we can grow and become bigger. And yet, we got lost in the division. We got lost in the separating. Mm -hmm. We got lost in the figuring things out Mm -hmm. instead of just seeing that the only reason we have the mechanism and the functionality to divide is to duplicate. So tap me out and tap me into you. Heal my brain and my body too. Balance my chemistry, hydrate these cells cause the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. do a lot of our work with these the, the, the concepts of the wheel with mind and body and spirit and heart and we do it with the seasons and I think I'm finding this winter more than any other it's a real relief when we focus a bit on what winter means for us and it's, I'm struck that you're taking your family home to, oh it's snowing out that's what you're pointing out a person appeared there's snowing in the window it's a reminder that winter has its beauty and its relief you're taking your family home to your family which i'm seeing that as kind of a visual symbol of the way in which you're encouraging our community to cultivate inner warmth and caretaking in winter you're taking your family deeper and deeper in, and you're going to kind of hibernate together for a good chunk of time yeah Talk for a minute about, well, I, you know, express appreciation. This the, cultivating reverence for self in stillness, layers, sweaters, a hat, and not expending too much energy, preparing, letting the seeds kind of germinate for what's coming in the spring, right? I think people suffer more in the winter than any other time of the year. I think depression can set in, lethargy even kind of boredom, lacking inspiration. Right. When when we don't live in accordance with nature. Mm. And that sounds so... No, but when we fight the natural rhythms of what's happening, which is, right. it is a time of slowdown. It is a time of reflection, contemplation, and rest. Just like... That's every, okay. Every professional sports athlete, they know they need rest. I mean, that's common knowledge, right? It's... Like there's no one sports athlete that has figured it out. You it hang out with a professional athlete when they're not at practice or at work, they don't move. Right. They are like a cat on a couch. They don't move. And they don't we, waste. And that's how we are. We are built we're built with rest that's needed. That's why we go to sleep every night. 
That's why we don't know what's happening to us every night when we go to sleep, and yet we don't question it. Same way, to honor the seasons, to honor the fact that we are part of the seasons, we are in harmony with the seasons. So when winter comes around and you feel more depressed, you can get a lot more excited if you knew that, oh, this is the official time where we can hibernate, where we can go inside, when we can just spend time with the family, when it is our quarter to nourish from within. Enjoy that food in a different way. It really, really is. <laughs> Spring will definitely come around. We will have many opportunities to get neurotic and busy later on. Run around. How about having more energy? How about having more rest? And again, that feeling of depression and it, it has something to do with our expectations, but it has a lot to do with our con- constant running around, our constant doing mm. and trying. And for me to go home with my family, to my family, but then here's the exciting part, coming back to my new home, to my new family, which is really the community we have been building, from a place of necessity, because I feel like my mom and my grandmother and my father and whoever was involved, when they sent me to America 20 years ago, they followed a very, very spiritual or ethereal uh, intuition. It's not natural to send your kid away. And yet, you know, for the sake of the world sort of thing, for the sake of the evolution in general, she knew, my mother knew, that I've learned what I needed to learn over in Israel, and now I'm going to go to America to kind of combine, to combine what's possible, to combine, this is the land of possibilities, right? That's what we called it. I don't know if it still is, but I believe it still is. And my spiritual nature, my spiritual upbringing, to combine them together and see what would unfold. And what's unfolding is just pure community building. And when I say out of necessity, it's because it is. It's, it's the only thing left to do. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been, it wasn't a dream of mine to be a c- community leader or to build communities. I had no idea what I was into until it started to happen. And it's out you of You recognized m- the importance quickly, though, didn't you? I heard you talking about it before it became a thing. It's a thing now, it's an operating organism. Right. And a, self-or- and a self-organizing that's, one at this point. That's you saw it. Well, I, I listened. And I took, I took, I, you know, people always want to know what to do next. <laughs> and I have done what's in front of me. That's my business model. It's to do what's in front of me. I have other people to help me with structures and systems. Yeah. And yet my job is to do what's, what I'm seeing. I think, to your credit, you saw what was happening, too. You couldn't do it all yourself, frankly. You were working with, and at times, taking care of a lot of people. And we had talks about that. I, you had the vision that oh, this this will be able to take people will be able to take care of each other more, and that and reach is, out, and that's and that's what community is. Yeah, we're doing this work together, or any kind of work, in order to awaken our true, infinite possibilities self, where we have our own power, we have our own vision, and the real magic comes from finding ourselves in a loving, supportive community where we're 
we're not asking for support as much as we are getting support. We don't have to go around and ask people for help. People come around and help because they see what we're not asking for help with. And that's real support. That's real community. It's that we start to know each other's flow mm-hmm. and the collective good becomes the intention because only then can we shine individually. And that's what living mysticism is all about. Mm-hmm. That's why we're doing this work. Mm-hmm. It's all of this is to ignite a sense of awe, to ignite a sense of passion for being alive. It's to see the beauty in the world, to see the beauty in ourselves, to feel the beauty of being together. And then what? That's up to us. Mm. That's what living mysticism is. That's why we do spiritual work. That's why we get together. So we can create and express and engage in a way that the world has never seen before. We don't have to worry about or think about what needs to come ahead. All we know is that when we work together, when we feel safe and supported and our imagination is free, what we can build together is beyond our personal imagination. It's Mm. beyond what's ever been done before. And this is the most exciting time ever in the history of humanity for the reasons of how connected we are and how much resources are actually possible and accessible. And it's, it's a really blessing. It's a, it's a blessed time to live in. And it's a really good reminder that any rituals and any dogma and any actions you may take, it's all to inspire a sense of joy and being, and it's all to awaken the place in you that is compassionate and kind to your present and to your surroundings. So it's been an honor to be with you. I look forward to my trip to Israel, and I will see you and talk to you when I return.